All right. Good evening. Letting just a few people join here. I just kind of tweeted out the uh, the link reminded folks, but I'm sure we're seeing it pop up as well. So thank you all for joining. I appreciate it very much. Uh, sure, we'll have just a few things to talk about here tonight. <laughs> Gavin, welcome. Uh, Freebird, congratulations again on the the baby. I'm glad uh, to hear things are going well. Hopefully, uh, as Gavin mentioned yesterday, I think in a tweet, the um, the cycle times, eh, Gavin? Right? The, uh, the, the it's like clockwork, and 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 you can use it to your advantage. And, uh, you know, time it so that the baby's napping while you're uh, out to dinner or get grabbing brunch or whatever it might be, man. This is the best time. It's when they turn into uh, walking, talking um, hooligans. Uh, then, they, then then it starts getting a little bit trickier. But, uh, you know, those newborns, they're not easy, uh, but certainly uh, just different, I guess. Right. But uh, I mean, again, congratulations, my man. I saw your hooligans driving the bike and giving you a... <laughs> <laughs> that's right, Trent. <laughs> Trent Wizzo. That's Trent Wizzo. Excited to have you on here, man. Uh, yeah, they we went out for a little scooter ride here uh, after dinner. It was raining all day here in New England, and uh, it was nice to get out, get some fresh air. Definitely helped to clear my head, that's for sure. Um, and uh, yeah, man, hopefully everybody was able to take a little bit of... Uh, of uh, kind of time time away from the screens and the uh, quasi bloodbath that was out there today, but uh, yeah. What's up, Robert? Thanks for having me, guys. Hey, Jimmy. Absolutely. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. Let me... Humbling, humbling day. You know. <laughs> exactly. Hey, Jimmy and Gavin, I'm just making you guys co-host. That way it does free. If you guys have to drop yeah, off, yeah, no, worries. Yeah. no worries. It just frees up some spots, right, guys, so that we can have 10 speakers if needed. Leslie, uh, did you just win a Macro Pro sub? Yo, Leslie is having a day, Gavin. She won a Macro Pro sub. I saw the options trades I mean, whatever she, was going on. Dude, she rushed too, right? today. Like, I mean, she was like 700%. Dealing with her COVID. She was like 700%. She was up seven hundred percent, and it equated to you know about forty or fifty. I think it was what I can't speak for Leslie. I, I, I retweeted the tweet. I think it was about forty forty grand. But I, I anyway, it's not about the number per se. But it was seven hundred percent. She fucking called the triple Q, put options, uh, spot on. Hey guys, <laughs> I'm just a little sick here. And yeah, I, and she and she and she's got the. I've vid. got the vid. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, it was it was quite a day. I managed to get an FOMC day to work for me finally. Yeah, well, well done. And yeah, Gavin, she did get the macro pro sub. So um, it's uh, so, yeah. Go ahead, uh, Jimmy. You got a question? Or raise your hand? Or is that no, just a high I five? Had to do the waving. It was the oh, waving thing, but I did the high <laughs> I, I did the raise. <laughs> <my hand. laughs> got it. You got it. <laughs> awesome. Um, Freebird, I don't know how much time you have um, to this evening, so I don't. If there's anything you wanted to review, by all means, the floor is yours. Uh, if you're just kind of wanting to listen and, and kind of uh, you know chit chat as well, um, just wanted to kind of open that up though, because uh, yeah, I, no, I, I appreciate that. Can you actually can you hear me all right? Yes, yes. All right, cool. Yeah, no, I, I don't really have anything to talk about um, per se. Um, you know, I know this is your guys' space, so you know you guys want to do whatever you want to do. And, Tell yeah. us about Fatherhood. 
Yeah. Oh, you don't want to hear about that. It's it's <laughs> it's, it's good. You know, it's just uh, it's, it's, it's totally different, right? It's just like you know when they tell you like your life changes um, and the way you think about the world kind of changes. Uh, you know, you don't really know until that actually happens, and it's been uh, really humbling, but you know, and a little scary, but it's been a lot of fun too, right? So it's uh, you know, it just means that I gotta you know to keep doing my job and trying to, you know, grow my business and hedge. has got to keep growing and, you know, got more mouths to feed. Right. So. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Let's see. Uh, yeah. Welcome to the club. Free bird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Google, Google going down, Google going down four and a half percent in a day, you know, Good job, Leslie. I mean, that's, uh, oh man, brutal. It's just, they, you know, they go and they go for the generals last, right? Like, and now they're they're going out to the mega caps that have actually held in there. So it's yeah. probably not too surprising given the year that Google had. And um, you know, the only difference is that like surprisingly, like everything else went up on multiple expansion. It's now coming down on a lot of multiple compression as earnings also come down. You know, Google for what it's worth, I mean, you know, it's a massive fundamental earnings revision. You know, the multiple hasn't really gone too much, but I get it. Google's also in a blackout window for the buyback, is it? I think so. Yeah, usually. Um, but I mean, down four and a half percent, that's that's more than a buyback. It's just, it's grossing, right? I mean, it's just, uh, it's probably, it's, it's got to be the most crowded hedge fund long um, out there on. Um, yeah, we're, I should have listened to you. Wasn't quite double volume. Google. Yeah, it wasn't quite double volume, but it was on a lot of volume too, Andrew. So that was that was, I, I uh, yeah, I, I I was tempted at the end of the day, um, and I I basically bought a an affiliate, uh, a very small, like fifty basis points that has Google, obviously has a big holding, but I did not step yeah. into, did not step into the. Um, to the full, I guess, uh, you know, full exposure, I guess. I tucked in a few others, right. To make sure that I, got, I wasn't completely. I, yeah. yeah. I gotta check, I gotta check my email. I, I, I'm not sure what the trend trend line is on Google, but I mean, momentum's clearly slowed, right. I mean, it's trading at the same level that it was in September. Um, mm. you know, uh, I think Q5 talked about on the call this morning, like Q4, I think was, really good for them um but that's like a relative comment right like the reality is that you know growth is going to slow and it's quite possible that given the leverage that we saw or the operating leverage that we saw this year you know it's gonna that trend's gonna reverse a little bit across the space right so the problem is like not only our revenue estimates probably too high but uh the magnitude of the slowdown is probably going to catch a lot of these guys off guard and you know, they ramped up expenses. That's what we saw with Twitter, which is why that, you know, they're so, so operating, you know, banged on the operating line. So those numbers are going to come down a little bit more. And so it's just like a double whammy, right? Um, yeah. What, what's kind of, I mean, uh, I guess what's the sort of bull case from here? And because I know obviously from a comp standpoint, it's, it's tricky, but uh, I mean, well, do, I mean, they, they, yeah, they take over. I mean, they take over the world more than they already have. Um, yeah, yes. No, I mean, look, they they totally they totally revitalized search. Um, yeah, you know, they have um, Android, Chrome. You know, so much data yeah. that 
you know, they're very well insulated from like anything that Apple does. It also helps that like, you know, Google pays Apple a lot of money. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, so I'm, I'm sure that helps them out uh, positioning a little bit. Um, and, you know, YouTube has just grown massively. So it's, you know, it's not really one specific thing. It's just their dominant position and exposure to the broader ad tech market and taking share of budgets, which continues to be the case. Shopping has been huge. So they've been a big bet. I mean, and this is probably the biggest risk for Google, not necessarily in Q1, but they were, because it's omni-channel, which means that they do a lot with like retailers, um, right. brick and mortar, they have a lot of exposure to kind of like the recovery, right? So like retail was insane last year. Apparel was insane. McGough crushed it so many ways on the long side. Yeah. And that benefited Google as things ramped up. So then obviously we go into this year and that becomes a headwind. Um, so, you know, we're probably off sides to some extent on that one, but, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, obviously like in the prior spaces we talked a lot about like quad one telco works, you know, narrow quad four everything typically works but you know you're 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 we're threading the needle right like you know yeah. if, if we like if the wind blows in the wrong direction right we're going to deeper quad four and then we have q quad you know four and uh and q2 like more higher probability so like that's why like, telco is like really interesting right because like, it was down into your end and like it's either quad one or quad four and telco works um, so we probably should be a little bit more aggressive with T-Mobile. Um, AT&T has obviously been ripping here. They were at a conference today. They sounded really good. Um, but, you know, it's it's still tough in my space. I mean, I'd look forward to coming on one of these things and saying, like, this, the coast is clear. <laughs> but it's just like, you know, I, I, every day I say it's a dumpster fire, and then the sector goes down, like, another 10%. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, and- T-Mobile definitely – sorry, go ahead. Uh, apologies, Mike. No, no problem. I was just going to ask: um, Is T-Mobile your your number one best idea in a quad four? Uh, you- honestly, if you want like if you want to name that backtest really well in quad four, and you want to lean into, um, it's probably going to be Verizon. Verizon first, AT and T second. Um, that's just kind of always been my go to. Um, cause I have the, it's just the longest price history and it tends to just do really well. It's a classic defensive high dividend name, um, counter cyclical in many ways, although this cycle has been weird coming out of COVID. Um, so usually those names start to do really well on a relative basis. So you're not going to get rich, right? Like it's not going to go up 50%. Um, right. but yeah, you know, you could already I think, team, I think team mobile probably would work better in this quad, in this shallow quad one, you know, narrow quad four yeah. uh environment because it's a bit growthier right so uh that kind of and that type of name is going to likely do better than you know the the verizons or the t you know the at&t's uh you know is more traditional defensive high quality kind of names right i would agree with that i mean if we're in if we're going in like yeah so like in deep quad four like when shit it's shit's gonna hit the fan <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah, buy defensive, but you can buy like it's not just Verizon, right? Like everything correlates. You go into factor mode and you buy like utilities, right? Utilities, anything with, like kind of yieldy goes up. But yeah, I agree. Like if it's like this hybrid type situation where growth can still be pretty good, like T-Mobile, uh, you know, T-Mobile can work. Um, 
and you know the valuation starting to look pretty attractive and you know uh, we put it in our daily brief today but like <clears throat> you know if this sprint churn issue that's been like a big overhang which i think has actually benefited timo uh, at&t numbers kind of resolves then you could possibly see you know uh, their sub trends improve and we can be back you know to the races here for uh timo but um yeah, no, I think that I think that's a right factor assessment on every day to the front end. I front I front ran you by date, uh, Andrew. I stepped into T-Mobile yesterday, so it was, yeah, yeah, it was no, good. yeah, it was one, one of the few one of the few things that was green on the screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and any um, any kind of interesting things around Facebook because I know that's kind of also in your in your wheelhouse or. Netflix keeps looking like an absolute dog. I know Leslie's been yeah. pressing that one short. Oh side, my god! But, uh, yeah, down four percent. Yeah, no, it's. Yeah. Um, Again, I mean, I'm not. I'm not trying to lean into you on about like the years. But oh, dude, no, 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 I'm just. I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, dude. I, I trust me. I'm not getting defensive. Like I, I, I honestly like. I'm so. I used to when I was like first started this. Like you used to get. You're wrong. You take it personally. Like I just don't care. Like it's. I mean, I care because I want to be right. But like. You know, I'm not letting my like feelings get kind of get in the way. Like, yeah, no, it's been a, it's been a dog. Um, but I, I kind of know why. Um, but um, yeah, no, Facebook. I mean, it's also like the same thing. Like, it's the the yeah. pricing data came in. It came in a little bit better. You know, I think they're taking back market share away from Pinterest and Snapchat. Probably to some extent, Twitter. But like, I gotta tell you, like TikTok is just. I wish they were public like that thing is just they're killing it. And, you know, that's going to be kind of a net negative for Facebook. Um, and, you know, the comps are still pretty tough. Like, you know, there's they, they benefited a lot from like these stimulus checks. And then like I, and I know that they're like the consumer is still in, in good shape. Right. Like, I understand that um, there's a lot of like excess savings, et cetera. But like. The reality is like there's like the stock and the flow, right? And so like when somebody you can have a lot of money in your account, but then somebody all of a sudden cuts you a check or deposits like an extra grand, right? Or you have that mm -hmm. child tax savings credit hit, like you know that's that's money that just shows up that you can you know theoretically spend. And all all the checks that I've done continually point to um, those days being like almost on par with like Black Friday type spending events. So you know that starts to go away. We, everyone has to start paying their student loans again. Like that's bad for direct response advertising and pricing's really high. So, um, you know, there it's, it's kind of like lump them in with the group. Like I think a Snapchat gets crushed way more than a Facebook. Um, but I don't think we're going to be in a situation where Facebook is going to work on the long side um, here until like, you know, we get closer to the back half of the year when then all these negative trends start to reverse course. Yeah, that makes sense. Anyway. Yeah. Any, uh, any other questions out there from the, from the gallery before we, and then you can just. Let's go on. Chat. Also yeah, cover right. communications on the, uh, on the data center side, like the opticals or uh, any of the other ones. Yeah, I don't cover those. I mean, I think uh, I think Rob is actually uh, pretty sure he's going to be if he hasn't already, but he's going to be picking up coverage of the data centers. Which um, there's a data center called Switch, 
I, just side note, like I, I toured that thing like before it went public like five years ago. It was like one of the coolest tours I've ever done. Places like Fort Knox, driving Teslas, ex-military guys with like AR-15 strapped to their chest for security. Like, man, it was it was it was absolutely insane. Um, so anyway, that's just my side note. <laughs> that's awesome. Hey, Trinwizel, you had a question on data centers. Oh yeah, data centers and data center technology. So the likes of AOI or uh some of the other related ones, uh, Juniper or Cisco or those. Got it, okay. Yeah, I, I can't speak to any of those, but for the data center REITs, you know, I've got some experience with that. Um, I think REIT Rob came on last week or two weeks ago, we were talking about REIT trends and XLRE. Um, I will caution though that, um, you know, so first DLR got a big downgrade today. It's probably a little bit late, you know, I, I mentioned that on Twitter a little bit. It actually held up relatively well versus some of the other guys, like the AMT, SBAC, CCI. Some of those tower guys got crushed a little bit more. Um, but um, for the longest time, data centers was a place where a lot of the re-dedicated guys could play offense and not have traditional real estate exposure. So there's been a lot of cycles over the last few years where they've been very tethered to the FANG stocks now. You know, if we see some of this unwind, it's probably more narrative than anything else. But um, just judging by the action year to date, you know, just Rob made that call on PGRE as a takeout candidate. You see ERSRT also up. You know, some of this is dead cat bouncing, but within the, the rededicated crowd, a lot of these secular winners, certainly I think, you know, a data center company probably doesn't look as good as an industrial company. Just thinking about the relative, you know, the, the large cap S&P type name. So um, if you follow any of those REITs, you know, there's probably, I don't know if there's more downside risk, but certainly there's more correlation to the tech companies that they host uh, than a traditional, you know, landlord collecting rents on a five or 10 year basis. Got it. Thanks. Hey, Rob, I had a question for you. Like, anything yeah, stand man. out in the notebook, right? Like, today did def definitely felt like a bit of a, a liquidation day. You know, like, <laughs> the, the dollar was strong to begin, but didn't, you know, sold off. Yield sold off. All equities basically sold off. Um, I don't know if someone was unwinding or if there's a shop that was closing down. Who knows? Uh, but certainly, a, no, uh, given what he said, his bullishness. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Right, because like if it was a clear quad four rotation, or if it was a clear rotation, you would have seen a preference for certain equities. But like even in the morning, with OVX, you know, getting back into the forties, like energy was up two three percent. So if it was, you know, I don't know how many of you guys followed Derek Sale or forty two macro, right? But he, he made some really interesting points. Like if this was the beginning of like that final leg down into deep quad four, like some of the market behaviors didn't quite confirm that um i think you know when you look at one month you know kind of convergence of some of these reflection trades and I, I don't know right i'm not the expert but i just some of this stuff it definitely felt like a panic sell uh post fomc and just keith is bullish incrementally you know he put all those buys up there and um yeah there's something funky about this afternoon so i, I can't 
I put my finger on it. But uh, I don't think we had any liquidation today, at least uh, based on flows or whatever. I think it was purely portfolio factor changing. So when I say portfolio flows, I meant the portfolio factor uh, altering by active portfolio managers. Not passives don't have much to do, right? But uh, they just follow the flows. Uh, but the active portfolio managers tend to actively look at some of their uh, <clears throat> exposures uh, as we have a ramp up in the interest rate. The companies with uh, cash flows which are nearer and solid and big in numbers are much more preferred. So, for instance, just take a look at the holdings in this ETF called ZIG, Z-I-G, and also the ETF called DGrow, Dividend Growth. Uh, they had uh, much uh, shallower uh, drawdowns, relatively speaking. Um, so those are the kind of uh, uh, tickers that uh, folks were getting into if they're not completely getting out of the stocks, you know, if they're not completely altering their stock bond uh, equation. Also, folks are uh, doing portfolio rotation from domestic to international. Yes, yeah, so those... Sorry, Chirp, just one second. Um Sure. Can you mute yourself one second? Yeah, perfect. Um, yeah, so just for those in terms of the replay, guys, sorry to, to repeat, but that was um, at TrendWizzo. Um, so that's W-H-I-Z-O, TrendWizzo. Uh, he's a great follow. Um, actually, I didn't realize I wasn't following you, so I apologize. Uh, so I did that tonight. You're, you're on my timeline all the time. So it's uh, clearly... <laughs> Clearly, we have uh, similar uh, similar counterparties here, but yes. Uh, and so, just to repeat, that was D G R O dividend growth. And then, what was the first one again? Uh, trend. Zig Z I G Zig. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, man. And yeah, I mean, I was just going to say that uh, I saw Keith. So, Jimmy, to your point, I think um, you know X two D A four just shared this. Is uh, Keith just shared like uh, about fifteen yeah, minutes that. ago that, that he's got ten to one upside in his. Um, you know, and it's basically spy revamp vast, you know, signaling process, right? So, I mean, he's definitely seeing that this is episodic, non-trending. Uh, we're at the top end of his range, right, at 1973. You know, it obviously went uh, above this morning's range of 1928. I mean, he was talking about that throughout the macro show today in terms of, uh, you know, the the investable bucket, right, and 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 that kind of thing. But, you know, if you're looking at volatility across the board, I didn't really step in. Um, as I said, I didn't step in much into this, into the close. Um, I kind of really wanted to see how things open up tomorrow uh, because, you know, to your point, I mean, I'm seeing, you know, Vixen, you know, finishing, didn't really back off off of the high. You got the VVIX up towards 119. You got OVX at 44 and a half. You've got RVX trended higher, right? I mean, the Russell got you know, sm smacked around as well. So, uh, you got bonds that were up, dollar was up, um, right? I think it kind of closed, you know, pulled off a little bit into the close. Um, but, you know, you just saw that correlation happen, right? Basically at two o'clock, the minutes came out and uh, the dollar ramped significantly and just the entire kind of correlated market, which again, you know, Keith was, Keith mentioned this morning about the correlation, but specifically to gold this morning, but, you know, you can see it across the board in the PowerPoint deck, you know, 0.6 per, you know, 0.6 basically for the other assets in terms of SPX and CRB, et cetera. Gold is at, you know, an 81 basis point, you know, negative correlation to, to the dollar. So those all things to me, um, you know, when I saw that dollar ramp, um, again, I thought it was pretty silly that folks were, you know, making this reaction at two o'clock and that the volatility was, starting to um, kind of get juiced up there going into kind of around 130, what have you, it was getting a little frothy. 
But, um, you know, most of my buys today were actually kind of ahead of that because I didn't really expect the, the minutes to be, you know, to provide the chop and the opportunity. I mean, in in um, in hindsight, you know, I should have waited. But, you know, I, I bought, you know, stuff like, again, I mean, Cube was a was a great opportunity here, you know, right out of the gate in the morning. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, I, I was kind of buying those REITs. Uh, a little bit more in, tr- you know, treasuries, right? Kind of uh, at the end of the day, and then, um, and then China. You know, I took the opportunity today on this sell-off in KBA in particular. I mean, that thing went right up my list in terms of like gross exposure. Uh, and so, you know, again, you know, Keith mentioned this morning, right? It was, you know, China might be a good spot here to take a stab he needs a few other things to kind of keep corroborating uh that signal and he prefers you know australia i think he said not i think i know he said because i wrote it down uh he prefers uh australia and then and that you know japan was overbought right so you know that that to me i'm thinking more around you know away from this chop right like i I just you know i don't really have any emotions today like yeah i mean google is off four and a half percent tesla is down huge whatever like to me this is, you know, everything is just coming off of the top end of the range, right? I mean, or at least pretty darn close to it. We were hitting all-time highs going into the year end. I think you had some, again, you can talk all the narratives all you want, but probably had, you know, you definitely had some passive income, you know, passive flows uh, come in at the end of, you know, basically, which was Friday the 31st, right? A lot of those things came through. They got deployed Monday, Tuesday, and, um, and you know, people are back from holidays, what have you, right? And all of a sudden, they're kind of evaluating their book, but, you know, is there follow through tomorrow? I think that's the huge question. Um, from a from a setup standpoint, you know, Keith's sort of reiterating quad one. So if that's the case, then you better buy the damn dip, you know. And uh, but obviously keep keep pay attention to that VIX and whether or not we're going to leak higher into that chop bucket. Hey, Ralph, what did you think was the, the you know the reason why two PM was such a shock? Was it the fact that quantitative tightening? you know, in March was a possibility. Do you think that the ADP kind of set up the day also to be a little bit hawkish because it was so much stronger than yeah. was expected? Yeah, I think I think kind of both those things, right? Um, in terms of, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously you get to actually read the minutes, right? Not everybody's paying attention to the actual meeting. And, you know, what was that, two weeks ago, whatever, um, or three weeks ago, maybe. And so yeah, it was... And there are models too that act on it. If you right. read Lee's Jack Schrager book on the new market, uh, what are unknown market wizards, one of the characters uh, he has mentioned as one of the futures trader who basically just wrote an NLP based system, meaning not himself, but he hired a programmer to read the NLP system that if the minutes say this, then do this. Uh, there are a bunch of those traders who directly trade on the futures. They don't have to trade in individual stocks and then the stat arbs do the rest. Um, right. So that kind of effects also come into play, but I, I mean, I agree, and uh, I, I agree with Rob. Uh, I simply uh, put in a bunch of my uh, specific kind of orders to take advantage of the volatility. One of the trades that I do is I sell, uh, sell ten delta Google put verticals covered by one delta put. So <clears throat> ten one is a great combination. It's sure shot free money for you. Uh, in these kind of situation, especially when GVX goes about 30. Um, those are kind of trades I love to do. In addition to, you know, waiting, like he said, uh, and if the turnaround happens, then even going ahead and buying directly the stock. Yeah. Yeah, and, and again, I mean, you know, so, so the 
uh, special um, special situations, right? Isn't your, that's yep. your handle, I believe. Um, and yes. Yeah, yeah I, yeah, I know your real name, Jay. But some people like to uh, follow you after the fact, right, or, or that kind of thing. So, uh, but yeah, special situations is is at Jay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, obviously, we've got the NFP coming out, right? Uh, Nonprofit rules coming out on Friday too, right? So, you know, it could just be a bit of a read through uh, across the board here, and and yeah, I mean, I don't really think again. Obviously, the huge outlier, and Keith has been talking about this for probably a month now, really is. Uh, you know, does Jay Powell, you know, you know, P. Powell, does he, you know, redo his mistake that he did going into, you know, in 2018, right, in terms of tightening into a, a quad four? And and that's the big question mark, in my humble opinion. And and I don't think that the minutes really made anything clear. It's obviously going to be, you know, uh, yeah, it's going to, I think it's going to be what it's going to be, right, when, when he, when they do make that decision, uh, but obviously seeing that in terms of the notes in March, uh, I don't really think that comes comes to fruition, but they got to kind of, you know, talk about it because, I mean, the two-year yield is at, well, I mean, what, where did it close? It, um, obviously, the risk range is, like, is 69 to, uh, sorry, 67 to 79, but where did two-year close? It uh, closed at 82 today, right? 82.2. So, I mean, that's a big move, right? I mean, that's a big difference between where they're at with the Fed rate and where the two-year is. So adding adding to that, yeah, yeah, uh, just yeah, a quick question. Uh, uh, basically, he was talking about in the morning, right? Like, don't focus too much on just buying bonds, buy race sensitive kind of stuff, right? So out of that, like Gavin and other side or you as well, what do you guys see has a stronger signal? Like, uh, REITs have stronger signal, or healthcare has stronger signal, like, or yes. uh, what so, other race sensitive uh, better signal? Sure. You sent me that 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 uh, question, and I think I kind of misunderstood what you were getting at in terms of you know selling a you know basically selling the bond exposure now and then rotating into equities. What he was alluding to on the macro show today is that don't get tied to bonds, right? He's, he was just reiterating the fact that you know bonds right now for in his PA in his portfolio is like a trade, right? It, it's they're over massively oversold or overbought, however you want to think about it. And, you know, he had, he was sitting on a shit ton of cash going into like basically the holidays. And so, you know, he saw that, you know, the 10 year kept going up to the top end of the range and obviously now it's blown through that, but you know, that's kind of the thought process there because in quad one, which is what he's called calling for and continues to talk about, right. In quad one and Q1 and, you know, you want to be long equities, right. You want to be long you know, yeah, you just, you just straight up want to be long equities. That's the best performing asset. And that's what Gavin alluded to, I believe, last week and the week before, right? It's like, guys, don't get too tied down on your bonds, right? They're a player. I think, you know, Gavin even said this last night, right, on your thing. Uh, it's, they're a player on the field, but they're not number one, right, asset allocation-wise. Equities remain the top asset allocation. And and I think, Tripp, that's what, what, what Keith was really just reiterating, right, is that, you, you know, if you get an opportunity in the bond proxies, right, so – like XLRE, ITB, um, uh, XLP, whatever, XLU, right? Those kind of uh, proxies take advantage of that because not only will that pay dividends here in Q- Q1, but they also perform well or perform better than other equities in quad two, excuse me, quad four in Q2, which is where we're likely headed, right? So that's, I think, the biggest takeaway. But Gavin, um, so please. what has uh, yeah stronger signal uh, in your like? I know you guys like both of you, Gavin, and you like. I, I wonder if you guys are seeing the same stuff in terms of signal strength. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
I guess, I mean, the, the easiest thing to do today um, is to just look at one month price momentum because there's a lot of, I mean, just, you know, before you go to bed tonight, just look through all the sectors and just notice what just lost one month price momentum and what still has it. Um, you know, that's probably the easiest thing to do um, on a day like today, just where everything is. But yeah, I, I mean, I've liked uh, REITs, number one, um, obviously, tough day um there but i mean I, you know the signal is still good there apple you guys have heard me talk about it everyone's like that's too vanilla you know it's apple it's like i don't know what what you want me to do like buy call leaps if you need to i juice it up if you need to but apple is where it's at like right now apple is my call for mega cap tech stock of 2022 that's so to play like. Apple, would you also load up uh, XLR, XLK or would you just go straight up Apple? Yeah, XLK has been killing Qs in terms right. of signal. That's what I was thinking too, yeah. Yeah, but right From now everyone's still though, right? excited you know, about Apple and it's like I'm actually debating just cutting my whole position this week because it's kind of dancing on this spot where I'm like, I don't know if I want this anymore. You know, so don't, you, you know, if you're – you should have been long Apple like the last at least three, four, five, six weeks, you know, um, yeah. at least. Keith was talking about it when, like back in the fall. Uh, uh, yeah, August. Uh, yeah, it was the uh, long, the that's how that's when I got my entry position. Well, I, I it was uh, long the bottleneck, right? I believe that was August. I, that, that notebook is not in front of me, but I believe it was long the bottleneck. And do you guys see healthcare as a strong signal as well? Like, I know he's choosing yeah, pink, I mean, but XLV so seems sure, like a strong. In terms of strongest signals, I mean, XLPs, the consumer stables is your strongest signal right now. Um, I mean, they're up seven over, you know, 7.21% in the last month, uh, you know, 11.83 in the last, you know, three months. I mean, they've been absolute beasts. And that's your best. I mean, consumer staples right now is, is the leader on the board, right? It's, uh, in terms of one month price momentum, you've got you know XLP, XLE, XLB, XLV, right? So healthcare, uh, but uh, yeah, so the, the, that's your those are your top four, right? XLK is teetering on losing one month price momentum. So I just you know to to Gavin's point, I mean Apple's kind of teetering. You got a lot of this tech that's teetering, right? So you know this could be a great buying opportunity, um, you know. But I really need to see that Vixen and uh, you know the Vixen in particular for the for the for the cues, right? I need to see that Vixen. Uh, behave a lot better it moved a lot earlier than and i think this is you know you know I, i'm not going to have leslie speak because she's fighting the vid but you know i think this was something that she saw right is kind of going into the close yesterday you saw kind of the vixen kind of pop up a little bit and you know and nasdaq was um you know nasdaq was uh, sorry kind of popped up throughout the day right you know, the morning and then you know the, the triple q's which just weren't really kind of they were just kind of weren't acting great right they didn't have a lot of like conviction in terms of to the upside and you know so i would just be very very cognizant of the of your volatility indexes and the underlying components there well i, uh, I guess i would just yeah. Say, oh yeah go, go ahead. ahead go ahead gavin yeah yeah just, no, I, I, yeah, Gavin, yeah go ahead man go no, mike no, go. i'm you just gonna paper scissors <laughs> this is getting awkward <laughs> now do you want to keep talking <laughs> <laughs> i was just gonna comment on what rob was saying if you know, if the signals are, are, are not strong enough or you're waiting for the Vixen, like, what is Keith looking at? Like, you know, he put he put the cues on RTA, right? So is he just stretching the signal? Like, 
you know, I mean, that's that's what I'm kind of trying to figure out. Like, what are you looking yeah, at differently than what he's looking at? I mean, obviously, don't have the same. I, 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 things, I, I, I was going to say the same thing right there. I, I mean, I, I know that we're – I know – we can continue to keep track of what we keep track of, but we still don't have his signal. I mean, it, he was very explicit in his RTA that, hey, he'd even be buying spies if that's what you do. Yeah. I, I, and I mean, and in the morning, he was stressing about, like, how, how somebody said, like, how uh, XLK is, like, weak. Well, and he's like, it's not really weak. Like, he, yeah. I don't know what you guys are seeing. Like, it's not weak. Yeah. So, so I, I mean, I, I know I, I apologize. I missed the first you know, 20 some odd minutes of it. But um, if this didn't, if, if this vol spike didn't happen to the, to the top end of the risk ranges in a, in a day, would we really be talking about this? I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, right now the risk ranges and, and the bands expand, right? So top of the risk range on the VIX today was what 19 and change is yep, yep nineteen twenty eight. Yep. So we were a little bit above that on on the, on the straight VIX, uh, and ni- none of us know what the you know uh, the Vixen is nor Russell Vol is because that's not published, right? So if 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 things didn't jump, and, and it's not like not, it's yeah, not if like- you look at fractal range MFR. Okay. Their their top of the range got hit by a vixen as well. Like it just stopped right near there. Okay, so twenty years. Yeah. So, I, I, every one of us. Well, the uh, the handful of us that talk in the same in, in a in a group uh, uh, during the course of the day. Um, you know, we all kind of. I don't want to say we felt it, but every everybody had had a sense that we were headed for a bit of a vol spike. You know, volatility was heading towards the low end of the range. You know, it, it kept pressing lower, pressing lower, pressing lower. Uh, you you were kind of bound for a vol spike, right? So that's what we got. That's what that's that's the quintessential sit there without emotion and execute. I I, I, I now obviously I could be wrong, right? But I executed all all fuck all afternoon. Uh, I was talking to Mike, you know, on, on a little sidebar. And we were chatting back and forth, but there were 10, 15 minute interludes that we weren't talking <laughs> because I was, I was buying more cues and I was buying more, uh, spies. I was buying more X, uh, uh, XLK. I was buying ITB. I was buying XLRE. Um, you know, I was, I initiated a position in XLU because I've missed it. Right. But if you look year over year, it really hasn't done a ton. So, you know, I'm as much as I don't want to buy it because it's, not near the low end of the range. If I bought a little bit, so be it. I, I got a ton of cash to buy more still. Um, so I guess my question to everybody, and, and if I missed it, I apologize, but are we second guessing the top ends of the range? Are we second guessing quad four or quad one, shallow quad four, everything goes up? Are we thinking that this is anything other than just people freaking out because they're macro tourists, which gave us all an opportunity to do something today. Did I miss that early part where people are either nervous or people are either just, Hey, let's, let's roll and let's execute. Can I, I mean, can I just say I was a little, a little late to this chat and I haven't participated too much, but I was a little, I don't participate in RTAs either. I really just watched a macro show and I was a little surprised to hear you guys talking up, um, I guess the mega cap techs a little bit, like as opposed to like leading more with um, 
with healthcare and and utilities and REITs. Like that's what, what why, I was thinking. Yeah. Why so much? Clothing? I'm huge in like Excel, RE and uh, XLV. Well, like that's what I think is stronger. I, that that so I, I love right now. That I would be surprised to hear Keith bang on because I never hear Tom Tobin speak about it. Is is CVS and to take a little bit of like a a Mike Green slant to to, the, to that stock, they just enacted a buyback, and so it's like that's the the new incremental buyer that hasn't been there for like five years, and it was green today, and and it's been running, and and I wouldn't be surprised to see Keith one of these days just come out and say the signal on this thing is crazy, and my Mike Atlas doesn't cover it, so I'm going to jump on that if anybody just wants a heads up. But what's whose biggest position? CVS is my biggest position, has been since the summer. And just just a quick curveball. I mean, what do you guys think? I mean, the yield curve was going up well before today. I mean, yeah. think about it. Omicron, you know, in the end could be a good thing. But the supply chain, the zero COVID policy in Hong Kong and China, more bottlenecks could mean more short-term issues and, you know, more pressure, more pressure on Powell. You could have a situation where he's forced to act, and we saw it in minutes today. He's forced to act, and, you know, today's move was warranted. It wasn't, you know, a one-day thing. What, what, is, what is your view on that? Well, uh, if, I'm, if I'm going Speculation, back Speculation, man. <laughs> if, if I'm going back to, I think Robert was suggesting it, or Robert was saying it, it's not a function of all big tech, all big cap tech. I, I, I was also... Like I said, I bought the crap out of XLRE, ITB, uh, uh, and a handful of other names, and I initiated in Utes. I think it's it's purely the difference between uh, are we straddling – how much of a straddle are you straddling quad one and quad four? Like I I, – in quad one, if if we're thinking about it, you know, big cap tech is – you know, the, it, it was at an all-time high three days ago or four days ago. It's down, you know, five, yeah, six, so, what, four, so five, m- ten, five, six. Mitchell, I think I should just fill you in. Um, we started this off just saying that uh, I was very unemotional today and that the drawdown in the queues really had no impact on me. Uh, so that's so that's what started the whole. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so, okay. Apple, isn't like I, I, Apple, I mean, we're talking about yeah. Apple. Isn't Apple like the worst position name going forward from like a valuation perspective? It's going to grow like 5%. I, we're I off a product cycle. And then like, we started, I mean, we, we kind of had Freebird on here, right? So we, we kind of dove into some of the, the comms and stuff. Uh, and, and, and that's where we kind of got things going. And then, uh, and yeah, then, and then we, we sort of, yeah, we, we okay. I this apologize. is a good conversation. No, no, it's a, it's a good conversation. If, if we're, so, so, I, I think, I think the, the main question is remains again, I don't have the answer to it, Mitchell, right? I mean, we're looking at the notebook tonight. I'm trying to guess or sort of guesstimate, you know, where, how are things going to look in the morning? I'm going to have a lot clearer of a picture as to what I want to do tomorrow morning. Once I get my, once I get the risk ranges Yeah, I th- and, 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 you know, that it's inevitable that the VIX is going to go higher, right? The higher end is in, I mean, it, it, you know, it's, 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 strategy, math- yeah. it's mathematically impossible. It's going to go back, you know, high end is going to go into the chop bucket. So we bring in, we do have to be realistic. Yes. I understand that coach is uh, like, has uh, what, 12 longs on 11 longs on right now. Uh, and he's fully, you know, net long, and he's seeing ten to one upside. I get that, um, and I want to be long equities myself. But at the same time, I'm just—I also have to, under, you know, try to factor in what can also possibly 
you know, what other factors can, you know, do we need to be paying attention to? Because, you know, we had a, we had a similar situation happening going into December 17th, only, you know, three weeks ago. And, you know, we got, you know, VIX was at 34 on December 3rd or whatever. Right. So, um, you know, again, I'm not saying we're going back to VIX 34, uh, but, you know, I, I am very happy to be buying the dip. I plan to be buying the dip, but at this point in time, you know, the, prior players are not where I want to be. And so like, you know, REITs is where I want to be. Um, Utes, I'm not picking up Utes yet, uh, but, you know, I think. I, I, I bought, think, similar yeah. to you, I bought some China today. I bought gold today. I, I bought a bunch of stuff today. But I, I th- if you kind of look, I mean, the, the U.S. dollar, you know, the U.S. dollar to 10-year, um, the yield curve, obviously, right? And then all the volatility, it's like the, volatility to me doesn't appear like it's going to uh, peel back immediately tomorrow morning, but I could be completely wrong. Uh, Jimmy, you've been raising your hand for a while. Yeah. um, Just to stay on topic, you know, a couple of you guys mentioned like prior to today and yesterday, like XLK was, it's been making higher lows. It's probably one of the the strongest signals, right? The top end of the range is like 179. Um, So, you know, for me today was by the dip. I am curious to see how short of a leash Keith has on some of his calls, right? If we do get back into the child bucket, he might take some profits if we get a little bounce tomorrow and he doesn't like something that he sees, right? I'm definitely watching volatility. I think that's that's a great point, Jimmy, because I think that's the other thing too, right? RTA is not a portfolio, right? And I'm trying to understand, like, what do I – because, again, I mean, I've got stuff that I can trade and I'm, you know, playing on trading bonds, but, you know – I'm also trying to understand, you know, this is, you know, I, today was a fucking hectic day at the office and therefore, you know, I did trade, I was able to pop in and out, but I can't do that every day and I can't do it as much as I have in the last like basically two weeks, the holidays have been quiet. So I got, I'm trying to position myself and understand like, what do I need to be, you know, paying attention to? And that's what the, you know, basically the notebook reviews are for. Uh, Joe Cat, you got your hand. Welcome. Hey, everybody. Uh, Gavin had his hand up, too. I think he, he maybe wanted to respond. I think we were, we were talking about Apple before. So, Gavin, you go first, and I'll, no, I'll you, jump you, in after. Joe, you're good. Good to hear from you, man. I'm good. You, too. Uh, yeah, I mean, just to keep it in the realm of uh, of the notebook and things that we're seeing, I mean, not that it was necessarily a, a, a shift in the, in the low end of the risk range for SPY over the course of a day, but over the course of the last, call it two to three to four days, Big, big higher low in SPY. And I'm, I'm going back and looking at, you know, when was the last time we saw something like that and saw the market almost like fall to meet it, right? So there, there was a big, big higher low, big change in SPY in October after that crash was over. And I think that, crack call it a crash, but after the correction was over. Uh, but that was really like the risk range is kind of catching up to meet where the market was going. SPY had already been ripping. You had your buying opportunity before that. So I'm going back even further and I'm looking and I, I see something really similar setup wise all the way back in March of last year where uh, the low end of Keith's range was at like, you know, call it 37.66 thereabouts while SPY was probing the top end of its range. This was back when we were like almost going to break 4,000 and we kept like trying to get close to 4,000, right? Then it then he had a big higher low into like the 3,800 range and the, the low end of the SPY risk range just kind of sat there and it almost kind of caught spy like a glove like like spy came right down to his risk range into i think it was the following week i'm looking at back at notes it was 30 uh thursday march 25th was like and that was the best 
day you could have bought SPY since that date. It, it, SPY hasn't traded there since then. So, you know, I'm looking at this and thinking, yeah, if there's if there's follow through to this move and you get a big it's unlikely just it's just a guess. But I, I don't think we're going to see a, a big uh, lower lower level in his in his risk range tomorrow, maybe marginally um, depends on what the futures do. But if, if the risk range kind of sits around here and it. Sorry. And even if we do, I think the pro odds will just become higher. Right now, they're yeah, 10 to 1. exactly. Because higher highs are still <laughs> higher, right? And and to add to what uh, Joe is talking about, Darius mentioned something similar too. He said this is like similar uh, situation in terms of how dispersion analysis is going to uh, October 2020 and September 2021. So if you look at that, those were like big drops right after, right before like a huge rally. Into yeah, June, I, June and could be. That's like an a, interesting like, point, Joe. Did you yeah. did you finish your point, Joe? Uh, that's an interesting point, though. Yeah, I, I mean, it was really just to take it back to the ranges themselves. It, it, I, I kind of noticed that you see, you, you can almost look at the ranges themselves as are they are they moving vertically up or down, big, big changes up or down, or are they flatlining? And that's kind of what I'm looking at as an analog to what maybe we're about to see is if if you see the ranges kind of the specifically the low end of the range start to flatline and 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 sit around uh, a, a level Th that kind of to, to me it starts to look like a support level and i know keith always says that the ranges are dynamic and they're not meant to be old wall support and resistance the way that his trend line is but I, i've just found that ranges tend to have more utility when they're staying somewhat consistent and those levels because then what, whatever math magic what, whatever you want to believe is going into what's defining those levels as a, as a good spot to make a decision, the longer they stay around a, a given price, the, the more and more collective market wisdom and attention, what have you, is focused around those levels and the more utility they have. So it, that, that's really just my point, is that the, the, if, if you're seeing a, a big drastic change in a range, pay attention and, and have it on your radar. But then if you see the range kind of sit around a level, I, I don't mean we're gonna get a buying opportunity necessarily tomorrow but if if his range kind of sits around where we are now 4700 ish and you know spy the market itself it's all kind of just starting to stagnate around here that's going to get me interested and get me more bullish and and i think he spoke to that a lot in the commodities bull run that came up where you know these things would lurch higher and then they would sit at certain levels for a while and then people would be like come on why aren't they going higher and people crying in the risk ranges or crying on the macro show like I bought this thing and it didn't go straight up. And he'd be like, dude, like it's called consolidation. Like, what do you want to go up 10% every day of your life? Like, it's just not how markets work. So, and it's it, the most bullish thing you can see is that consolidation. Yeah, because it's, it's holding it. You get it ready. Yeah. Yep. It's not giving it right back. Yeah, 100%. I think Joe, yeah, that's a great call. So, that's at Joe Cat. Um, if you don't follow him, you should. He's an absolute stud. And yeah, I mean, the, I mean, to your point, uh, Joe Cat, the, I mean, to have the loan in the SBX at forty five eighty six on Monday, then go to forty six forty five yesterday, and then up to forty six ninety, and it closed at forty seven hundred dot five eight today, right? In uh, in terms of the actual uh, market itself, uh, it's pretty pretty special. Um, and you know, I think that does you know widen a, a hair, 
And again, listen, I, I am, please don't confuse me for being bearish. I want to get long as fuck equities. Um, but I also have learned over time that patience is a virtue and therefore not only with both a three and five year old, but also just with markets. Um, and therefore, you know, I, you know, I, I suspect if we get more self tomorrow, I'll be buying some. And then if we get a real big ramp down on Friday, um, you know, it's oftentimes these things take like three days to sort of work themselves out. And, you know, that's when, that's when I'll get, uh, really, really pulled up. Uh, Gavin, go ahead, buddy. Yeah. I was just going to make a couple of simple points. I'm not Please. sure how long I can stay on, but, um, I mean, just, you know, some context We're three days into the year and spy is down 1.4%, right. And then TLT is down 3.68% for the year so far. Um, I think I tweeted this out. Uh, recently, you know, both of those two ETFs were only down together six weeks where they both were negative return for the week. Only six times in 2021. Um, it only happened two weeks consecutively, right? So I guess what I'm saying is that the way we've started off is not typical and when stocks and bonds go down together like this, and if they were to keep going down together, like that's when stuff starts to break. So, you know, just I, the way it looks to me so far is that, you know, we're like five weeks after, you know, the post the uh, vol spike, right? And mm -hmm. so why did the, the VIX, you know, start to, to move higher today? Because vol there was no volatility in the market. So... It just came in, you know, because there was an opportunity for it to come in. I don't know why, but yeah. here it is. Um, not really like a big, you know, what did the VIX close at? Like 19 something? 1973, yeah. It's like, okay, you know. Um, and so, like, for me, I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just watching how we start the year. And it just looks, I don't have anything to back this up. But the way things are moving, it just looks like people are trying to get settled. It's almost like, you know, before the movie comes on in the movie theater and people are like rustling around and like opening candy and like trying to get comfortable. It just it it just seems like we're trying to figure it out, you know, you so great trivia about uh, you got the trivia going, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, what was Kevin Hart's first movie? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So no, but for, I mean, Freebird mentioned this. I think you guys were going back and forth a little bit yesterday on this, right, Kevin, about sort of the consultants sitting in the room going into the year end Q4. Um, so yeah, I mean, maybe expand on that there. That would, Andrew, do you have anything uh, to, oh, yeah. how's your cycle going with the baby? Are you still no, yeah, no, it's good. Yeah, I don't really have anything to add to that. I mean, it's just, okay. you know, the, the beginning of the year dynamics are always interesting in that respect, right? Like, it's, it's, I feel like the first two or three days is always like a head fake, right? Um, to some extent. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, that whole, for those who maybe didn't see that tweet, like, it was basically, I spent three years, three, four years on the institutional consulting firm. So we advised, like endowments, foundations, uh, insurance, general accounts, pension funds. And it's always an interesting like dynamic with the board because like they're hiring you as the consultant to manage the asset allocation, you know, cross equities and fixed income and hedge funds and 
all that stuff and you go in like you know usually in december to these board meetings and you make your recommendations for the year for the following year um and you know part of it's self-preservation right and so you know and and all, also like the board members are sophisticated but they're, they're not always like investment like sophisticated when it comes to investing like they might be like a coo or you know somebody who's like high up in a religious organization things like that mm-hmm. um and you know they glob onto these headlines like inflation and they see all these things so it's very it's an easy sell to say hey why don't we take our fixed income exposure down you know after this year given the inflation concerns um and you know maybe that's part of it impacting you know tlt and also why we saw kind of some strength and equities to kind of start the year and those flows are kind of like ending. Right. And so now we're selling off, but that, that was basically it. I mean, that was the gist of it. It's uh, you know, it's just a narrative. Right. But I no, mean, like it's, but it's, just, but it's, it's how you know, asset allocation, you yeah, know, it's just how those, that side works. Right. There's a lot of dynamics out there that, that factor into, you know, where factors are, you know, what factors are being added to certain asset allocations, what, you know, sectors what uh, countries right you know where, where folks are headed and, and why i mean it, it's not surprising in my humble opinion that china's off the you know last few basically in the last week or start to start the year because of that you know very similar situation right it was an absolute dog throughout 2021 and you know folks are like there's china risk you know don't know what the Anyway, we don't need to get into the politics, but just, you know, there's just there's the risk, right? Um, and, and not knowing that there's, you know, the, the rate of change is there to have a very positive potential outcome uh, throughout the first half and potentially, you know, the back half of, of 2022 for, for China. But that's a whole other question or a whole other uh, topic of discussion. Yeah. Well, Gavin, I thought your comment about like, you know, starting this year off kind of, you know, almost like we did 2021 even though the setup's the exact opposite i thought that was you know pretty spot on i mean i guess in the last couple of days the only difference is that like these like smid cap growth names are, are getting slaughtered but you know in terms of rates and some of these cyclicals like outperforming that was that was definitely something that surprised me too yeah that i mean that just came out of what you know, reading your tweet and I'm just looking at it and Mm -hmm. it wasn't every market, like I think I said in the tweet, but just so many things were reminding me of, I mean, it kind of made me want to go back, right? Because January and February were just like, last year were just so much fun. Like, remember some of those quad two days in February where it was just like pedal down, you know, just amazing conditions. GameStop, Um, GameStop, AMC ripping. Yeah, (laughs) but no, it did remind me you know, you, yeah, yeah. Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy wants to go back. Jimmy wants to go back. He, he needs. He might. Need, SPA might need a time machine. <laughs> I love you, no, buddy. I, I need a second corner. <laughs> take a time out. <laughs> With the dunce cap on. <laughs> What's Mitchell want to say? Yeah, Mitchell, go ahead. Just curious, what what uh, Andrew was talking about, being pension funds and allocation. But at, at this point in time, is that where the the passive machine, so to speak, drives everything? Like where the, where the algorithms go? Doesn't Trump say the pension fund that's doing whatever? So, you know, what we have is we have 
uh, beginning of the year, new start off, PMs just come back, figuring out where they want to put their book, right? And or, or where they're thinking that they're going to set the book up, as Andrew just said. Now you need data points that, that start to come in, and that's what the machine, the machine does breaks over the holidays. So the machine's going to come in and it's going to start to figure out where it's thinking for the quad. I, this may sound ridiculous. Um, but there's a lot Mitchell, of money you're, that you're, you're breaking can you hear me? out pretty. Can you hear yeah, me? That's a lot better. Yeah, that's a lot better. All right. Uh, I guess what I'm okay. saying is, you know, this might sound silly, but there was a, there's a lot of money on the theme call today, right? If, if you are one of the pension funds that is a long only, that's as large as it is that needs to possibly pivot. Some of those guys might have to make moves sooner than they think they have. But that doesn't mean that that's going to trump what the machine does over the next couple months as the data points come in. So you have some of these moves on days where they kind of seem abnormal, similar to how we had in early December, or, you know, quad. Uh, 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 Q4, quad two. you know, quad, uh, uh, the fourth quarter was quad two, right? You had two, two weeks of really shit, right? It, it was two to three weeks of difficult shit performance trying to figure out if it's going to quad. If we're still in quad two, if we're transitioning quad two to quad one. I mean, Keith wrote about it, the, you know, decide and transition over. And, and then as it was, you know, Q4 turned out to be all of quad two, right? So these are just little moves within moves is the way I would view it. I, I don't think we've had anything really serious yet to sink your teeth into to alter anything other than these. Are, there's some pretty good opportunities to definitely keep you on. But until things break trend or break trends in certain areas, just execute beach ball's been kept underwater trade as, as we can trade range well, I, I, Mitchell, I went decent in- Mitch, I don't know if I'm the only one but Mitchell it's so hard no, to no, hear you, can't hear him. yeah you can't really hear you buddy I apologize I don't know why I put it on mute okay I, I actually you guys mind I've got a comment on Mitchell's uh, kind of what he was saying but, yeah i did catch i did catch what he said i mean like and just to be clear like i'm not i'm, I'm just on the pension fund allocation thing i'm I, i'm not talking about like asset managers like a long only fund right i'm actually yeah. referring to like one step above that right like the person that's deciding to allocate xyz dollars to a certain fund manager right based on asset classes so i just wanted to make that clear um because it's like it's like fund to fund, fund to fund asset allocation. Yeah, like right. it's like you're creating yeah. a portfolio, right? Like there's right. just like you know thirty percent to large cap equities. All right, I'm going to go passive this. I'm going to select but, X, this fidelity manager for whatever reason. You know what I mean? Like that. That's basically yeah. what it was. Um, the only other thing I, I'd say is like, look, I've been been the hedge eye, you guys know for a long time, and I've seen the quads and I've seen the, I've done the back testing and. Like this COVID environment, like this cycle is really nothing like we've seen, at least I've seen, you know, as it relates to kind of like the quads, right? And 
you know, historically, and, and I think it just becomes down to like what happened to kind of like the different parts of the economy during COVID, right? So like we saw this huge digital transformation, right? Benefit a lot of like growth names and then kill cyclicals, right? So like the out of home trade and then, you know, the reopening trade, right? Um, and it's causing like a lot of names, especially like digital exposed that would historically like do really well. Like it was really weird for me when Keith was, you know, making kind of like the quad, you know, the quad two pivot or like the quad one pivot, right? Like in, in Q4. And I'm like looking at my space and I'm like, yeah, like I hear what you're saying. And, you know, you know, that would typically mean like I should be buying like these growth names because they're going to do really well. Um, but like, I just couldn't bring myself to do it because I just saw like the fundamentals were just falling off. Now, if you look back and look at the data, like it confirmed an aggregate, right? So I guess the point I'm trying to make is that, you know, when, when you're looking at like these macro data points, they're reflecting the macro. They're not necessarily reflecting the mix shift that's going underneath. So there's all these cross currents that are very vicious um, because of the base effects due to COVID just driving volatility in these individual sectors and specific stocks stocks so like you know and so like e-com and digital is like almost like in a recession i don't want to say it's like a recession but like you know like it's definitely not trending in line with like a broader macro acceleration like you would have seen pre-covid right but those that are benefiting are like the cyclicals right that's why like xle is probably like that's why everyone's like saying they're scratching their head like, oh, why is XLE like still holding in there? Well, because and everything else that is is get, is rolling over. Well, you know, it's because we're still like <clears throat> in these easier base effects for you know that relative sector. So it, it's just it just screws with all the back testing. Um, but anyway, that's just my yeah. observation. So kind of thinking I mean, about it. Coach could not have been clearer on the macro show this morning saying sell, you know, sell energy, right? He did not say short yeah. it, but he said it might be a good spot to short it, right? So, I mean, it's, uh, it, 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 yeah, Andrew, I mean, you're, you're spot on there and, and things are definitely ebbing and flowing and there's a lot of moving pieces and, you know, uh, Jimmy's brought up uh, in the past, like, you know, the extension here of, um, of student loan, you know, kind of, that's not forgiveness, but the student loan kind of payments, you know, got pushed out to May. But then I think yeah, Mike Taylor mentioned, I saw a tweet of his this morning, I believe it was around the, um, the uh, child care kind of, um, I don't know what they, I don't know what they're officially calling it, but the child care supplement, I guess. Uh, right. That, that's yeah. Were, no, child were, care were, tax credit. The tax yeah. credit. Thank you. Well, it's not the credit. The credit's still there. It's the, it's basically the extra 300 bucks a kid. Um, that uh, you know, my my kids were quite good earners this fall, um, but uh, they, uh, but that fell that that ended at the uh, in in December. Um, so Mike Taylor said, you know, family of four, you know, uh, that was uh, the, you know that that adds up to you know a car payment or you know or what have you, right? So it's uh, definitely these things could impact you know that we we haven't seen the data yet, right? And so to to continue to be data dependent um, and to you know follow. You know, follow kind of where the puck is going versus where it has been and where it's been for the last week, the last month, what have you, right? It's um, it, it's really important. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it is interesting for sure. And yeah, like I said, it's just 
it's it's the cross currents within these individual sectors that is just really i mean that's like like i said earlier like mcgoff crushed it right with like in retail because like you saw this all the stimulus in the system but you know the resurgence in brick and mortar right and then you, know, you saw like all that stay-at-home stocks just absolutely get mercy crushed in that environment when historically like given those factors of those individual securities like in the quad environment they would have all you know probably done a little bit better or a lot better um it's just it's just really it's really fascinating to watch it all play out oh guys we got uh we got new dad alert here uh he's, he's yawning at 9 40 <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm not a new dad, but I'm the owner at 940. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, I mean, we've talked a lot about kind of notebook general stuff. Uh, why don't we open up to to the to to the to the floor? Um, you know, maybe another half hour here or so of uh, conversation. We can keep it notebook related. We can keep it obviously, you know, general market related and whatever else. Um, is hey, on, Rob, on whose uh, yeah. checklist yeah. did you? Whose checklist did you bring up? Yeah, uh, that was that was that was Turtle Capital, uh, aka Corporate Raider ninety nine. I think there's an underscore in there. So, yeah, tur- tur- Turtle. What I say? I think I said. Um, yeah, so I think it's it's corporate. Isn't it corporate corp underscore Raider ninety nine? I believe um, it was a great checklist. Uh, so he uh, again, I'm not certainly not going to dox him, uh, but I know he works for. I, I don't know much about him, but I know he works for a, a big. And one of the bigger bulge um, um, brokerage houses and on the West Coast and is uh, is a great investment advisor. Uh, he does, uh, you know, he follows the Hedgeye process. Uh, he's uh, He's been long time, uh, a long-time subscriber, I believe. And yeah, so he's come up with that kind of uh, checklist, that sheet that he created, which was awesome. So I definitely had to share that. It was, uh, you know, even yeah, had Turtle, his... do you want to come on uh, to share uh, what your thought process and how much time you take to go through that? Uh, every morning yeah i might have to um he's let, yeah leslie do you mind dropping off maybe sorry um as a speaker i just don't have enough uh, you got i i can swap out too if you need no, if you, you need the room you can swap me out i cough every time i talk all right cool guys appreciate it we're putting turtle on the spot here a little bit but I need one of y'all to drop though. I don't have enough room. There we go. I'll drop Thanks. Turtle, can you talk? I don't know. I know he's listening. Yeah, if he's if he's not available, that's fine. Yeah, I think he's listening. He might not. He just might not might be available. But yeah, but I mean, Trent, I, I think you know. Maybe Gavin. You mean Gavin? I mean, I can talk to to my notebook, but Gavin. I mean, what? Um, maybe just generally, uh, kind of. Yeah, how much flow. time do you spend? Yeah, the flow in the morning on the notebook. Um. Yeah. It de- it depends. Um. But probably minimum an hour. You know, just like to fill out the spread in the book. I get you know, it's a two page spread. Um. Yeah. Some and probably about like an hour, hour and a half at night. So, yeah. And, you know, some mornings um, I might take some more time and, and use some discretion, you know, like um, could turn into two hours. So, but yeah. so uh, in the, do you do any 
tagging of trades or revisiting your thought process when you tag those trades or what do you mean by tagging trades so usually what i do is uh when i place in a trade depending upon whether it's a portfolio core trade or in one of the satellites i tag them with uh, some comments uh and then um, i categorize them in larger buckets that allows me to watch my behavior uh not just for the intraday moves but also longer term or medium term swing moves um with respect to asset allocation decisions and or the day trading decisions so uh that that's what i meant by tagging yeah no i mean well i i put notes by specific markets like today i had a note by the vix by copper by ovx um tens and twos you know so i mean i'm just old school man like i just have my notebook um what you Got do it. sounds really good um but yeah. i think i also probably don't you know like today i didn't uh i started buying some long vol on monday actually um and so today i'm managing like a long vol position and then like the, the biggest thing is like i'm just watching like my tlt position which i took up to half uh yesterday so it's not too bad but the biggest thing on my mind right now is the vol spike that could potentially keep spiking. I don't know. We'll see. Um, and then TLT. Like if I think everyone has to come to the realization that the signal does not look good for long TLT right now. So, <laughs> I mean, just like don't try to run and hide from that. Like own that and say, uh, okay, yeah, I'm I long a it. bunch of fixed income. Yep. And this thing is like not looking great. So take it day by day. But if it continues to strengthen, I'm certainly not going to take it off uh, at the top of the range. But hey, I, I mean, I'm also not going to start the year sucking wind on bonds if if the ten years bullish trend. You know what I'm and saying? I, so I, I I sorry to cut you off, but I, I loved what what Keith said about that. I think it was it was uh, yesterday's macro show. Whenever. Uh, Emma Vlasic was was hosting it because she asked some question about that. He gave a very succinct answer about how do you trade around it? It's breaking trend. He said shorter rope, smaller size. And and that's a little contra to what he said in the past about if something's like he, he said, I think, to his, his sort of mass market uh, uh, party line on that is if something breaks trend, you get the hell out. And I don't think he always does that. And, and I, I, I kind of suspected that he doesn't always do that because I, I know I don't always do that. It's, it's hard to do that. I think you can trap yourself up if you do that. If every time something even gets a whiff of breaking trend, you just you just close the position. I think you can die by a thousand paper cuts if you do that. And, and that was my first time hearing Keith really kind of openly say that he's not always doing that. And I, it, it's kind of akin if you think about it, if you're getting golf lessons from from Tiger Woods and Tiger Woods is telling you, all right, every time you get to a par five, you lay up. And you go, okay. And then you see Tiger on the course and he rips it and, and hits the green on his second shot. And you're like, wait a minute, you just told me to lay up. Why, why did you go for the green? Well, because he's Tiger Woods and you're not. And so yeah. th that's kind of what you got to remember with, with some of these, th these ways of playing trend breaks, playing things that are working against you is there's a way that Keith's going to tell you how to do it because that's the way the average person should approach it. And that might not always be the way that he's doing it. And that doesn't mean that you have to do it the way he's telling you to do it. You got to have a couple different strategies, a forehand and a backhand, if you will, a long game and a short game uh, to kind of fit, fit and, and, and work those and figure out, you know, what you're going to do in different situations. And that's what I've spent a lot of my time doing is 
is sort of tweaking that aspect of it. Like everybody can make money when, when things are in bullish trend and they're making all time highs and they're banging the top of the range. You just add to the thing every day and you sit, you, you open your, your brokerage account 700 times a day and just see how much richer you are. It's, it's things like TLT now that are, are painful because I'm in it, I'm big in it. I don't want to sell it. Um, and, and so what do you do? And that's, that's, it's a, it's a totally different game when you're trying to, to make money on something that's breaking, breaking trend. Yes. And adding sure. adding to that, he was also talking about like how high could these risks, uh, like yields, uh, the rates can go, right? He's like, and they, he emphasized that like they have failed at this point twice already last year when everything was supposed to do this, right? Now it's just like doing it because uh, the narrative is like inflation's not uh, not transitory; it's going up, it's going up, and he's like, no, it's it's actually not, and that's why he the other day he was. At the end, when he was frustrated, he was like, this is what I'm going to do. If uh, yields keep on going up, I'm going to buy some. And then if it goes to 170, I'm going to buy more. And then if it goes to 175, I'm going to buy more. And then he just like, shut up. Then he's like, that's, I think that's what he was trying to say. Like, the top is like, how far up do you think they can go? Can they go to 2% when they didn't even go to 2% in like quad two when it was supposed to go to 2%? Yeah, uh, I think, yeah, no, I think Andrew just answered that question for me. It's like, um, and and I just see this like in my, my day job still, like everyone keeps saying, and these are like veteran people I'm working with who have been in my industry for 30 years. Like they've never seen anything like this before still like across the whole country, manufacturing, you know, getting stuff from overseas, it's just unprecedented. So stick to the signal. And if the 10-year signal like keeps strengthening in bullish trend, which you can see every day, it's like you're just going to have to you know, take the parachute. I'm not going to stick around just because it. the only reason I'm in TLT right now with a half-size position is because the trend was looking – like the signal was looking okay. And then we know that in Q2 – like I was saying last night, fixed income probably moves to the number one slot if we go into a really, like a for real quad four. Yeah. So so it makes sense, right, with the roadmap. But like to proactively prepare for that roadmap when we're in unprecedented times and we don't really know what's happening, right? And that's the way the years kind of started off, where it's just all these markets are kind of unexpectedly moving. Right. And we're trying to see where it's going to settle. Like you, you can't be stubborn. I don't think. I so. think that's, that's spot on. You know, to, to, that point, though, Gav, to that point, though, to that point, with the unprecedented times, like the growth and in inflation bogeys are so high that to accelerate, like even moderately, it, like that's why, like the path is like a narrow quad four into a deeper quad four. It's because of such extreme times. So, and that, and that's why, like, I, I think I, I just heard someone say that, like, he said he's going to keep buying the tenure, keep buying the tenure, keep buying. It. And he could change his mind. But the reason is, is because on a rock basis, it seems pretty definitive of of what we're going to see. Like, it, it's it's going to be really tough bogey. And like like you're saying, is things are re- have been really stagflationary. Like, can they get more stag? Can, can we see more inflation? Maybe, but we're not going to see more growth, I don't think. Yeah, and yeah, adding to that, sure. like he sure, also sure, pointed sure. out. Hold on. Yeah. Oh, 
go ahead actually go ahead, go ahead. he also pointed out uh, other things he's seeing right he's like if if tenure was rising like crazy that should be killing gold right now actually everything steep uh, like the curve actually steepened and gold didn't even drop it actually went up today after uh, after the steepener yesterday right and i think yesterday even it didn't drop that much and it closed the day high right yeah. so that's what he was trying to point out today he's like it's like i mean that's what i am seeing like uh, based on his explanation that he's basically trying to reiterate the point that if it didn't go to 2% when he was saying it can go to 2% and quad 2 uh, how can it go to 2% when it's not even quad 2 it's quad 1 or quad 4 more likely based on the numbers right yeah so sure yeah good point and then i think you know two things from the notebook and and charlie um charlie munger's fans or something like that you want you, you were requesting to speak and i apologize i tried to let you in um but uh yeah i'll come back to you so charlie if you want to request that in like five minutes i'll, I'll get back to you buddy and uh but two things to that point one is the 10-year risk range widened today which gave me kind of I guess, you know, quote, quote, hope, but hope is not a process. Um, but I mean, that was definitely obviously a good signal, right, Gavin, in terms of like, if that thing started to narrow or that, you know, low end of the risk range was really starting to move higher and the, you know, and we were getting, you know, lower, lower highs, and, or sorry, higher highs, and lower lows, or you know what I'm saying? Um, then the, you know, that would be basically, I'd be like, all right, I'm certainly not adding to bonds today and I'd be getting the, the F out. Um, the other thing though, Robert, to your point, is you know to, in today's macro show he was like narrowness across across quads usually equates to bullishness broadly which is you know to me i really you know i wrote that down i highlighted it it was to me that was a really great um comment and something that i hadn't heard him say before so jody you're kind of like going back to your comment you know we're getting some nuggets this week that i think are really awesome um and the, that narrowness one i thought was really really good because you know you get i get so confused with like shallow quad one narrow quad four what the f does that even mean and you know is there a real big difference between one or the other and he kind of answered that t today for me um the other thing around the t in terms of what he mentioned that to emma was and this is what chirp what you were you were alluding to is that the cycle high cycle high for tia or for the u.s treasury was around 1.76 1.77 and you know he was being cheeky yesterday but you know joe he was like you all sell all of it at one at one dot five nine right he's he's not waiting for the you know yesterday low end of the range was one dot four two so i mean he's not waiting you know this is not and again he reiterated today it's like he's trading around tlt ev ief like all of his shy all of his bond funds he's trading around them um and gavin you know if it wasn't for having cash on hand, I mean, literally sitting, I mean, I was sitting on like 40% cash, like going into this week or kind of the end of last week. And if it wasn't for that fact, I don't even know if I'd own a bond right at this point. Right. Cause I know quad one is good for equities and Gavin, you've been banging that in my head for the last, you know, three weeks basically. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of, um, yeah, just wanted to summarize that. Uh, so we got two questions, other side, and then I'll come to you, Mike X too. Uh, I was just going to tag on to what Joe was saying. I, I, with, yeah, with, brilliant. With Keith, it's just situational, and and this tags on the chirp, which was also tagging on to what Joe was saying, where he, the the time duration between now and what uh, uh, somebody else was saying, and I apologize, I lost it, but the, the the rate of change is is nearly impossible to not be a quad four in a handful of months. So that that time that time erosion for him 
it, it, he's just going to play that top end of the top end of the the, the yield and, and and trade around it just as everybody was saying. So uh, that thought was just onto what Joe was saying, and I thought he was spot on with it. And you guys have a good night. I'll drop so somebody else can speak. I apologize. I, I'm just later, five a.m. Yeah, thanks for chiming in. Thank you guys for a great, great evening. Yeah, hey, Rob, I, I actually was just going to uh, kind of add on also to what uh, Gavin and what uh, Joe Cat were, were talking about earlier. Um, you know, with Keith sort of violating his rules occasionally here and there, I mean, you, you don't have to look any further than the RTA. He's got, he's always talking about cutting losers, you know, don't let a loser run. But every, every so often, including right now, he'll have a major loser up there. I mean, Playboy down 20-something percent on the RTA. Why is he not cutting it? So I think there, it, I think that's something else, you know, that, that kind of talks to what you were, you guys were talking about. But, you know, situationally, you know, so in, in kind of like an episodic uh, concept, when he feels it's the right thing to do, he'll, he'll, he'll bend the rules, his own rules. Yeah, I'd love to just spend two minutes to chime in on that. I'm not going to show Playboy anymore. You guys know I love that stock. I love the company. Um, I'm wearing my sweater right now. I, I think, firstly, Brian McGoff is... Nice. Um, you know, Brian has killed it last year. He's been a great partner. He's earned the right, I think, to for, for Keith to maybe have a longer leash. Um, if you listen to his comments about how terrible apparel and how a lot of crap retail names are going to just really take it in quad four certainly playboy is a name whose revenues and ebitda is accelerating you know in real positive numbers they have 50 percent gross margins on their business between apparel and licensing and now they just added centerfold which is about 80 percent gross margin so you know that if anything it's a long short pair um but it's a, it's a small company 900 million dollars a lot of people that own it own arc own crypto, right? There's a lot of basis risk. So it is what it is. Um, he, 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 he took his second shot. So I had been surprised, like looking at the way he played cannabis and some of the other, you know, losers last year, um, you know, he'll get in and out with the one, but I think when people are understanding of the fundamental thesis, how asymmetric it is, you know, and I, I'm not going to go on a rant about valuations, right? Because the market doesn't care about that. But like, when we're in this market where things are teetering or faltering, you have things trading at 30 times sales, all these SaaS companies, Playboy trades at three times sales. And this is before Centerfold. You know, there's so many companies, um, special situations still here. I mean, I follow SPACs closely. There's some that are trading barely above cash. Some that are trading at, you know, misunderstood, no natural institutional ownership. Absolutely. Ride or die. I'm going to write There's no bid. Yeah. There's no buyer There's no because yeah. of SEC changes and rules. Yeah. I mean, you had the warrant change and now you have, you know, should book equity really be classified <laughs> as MES because you can redeem it. There are a couple other things in the pipe. So, you know, speaking to institutional investors like Brookfield, you know, close friend of mine runs the special situations fund. He's not even touching these SPACs. There are 196 these SPACs. There's, you know, there are 575 searching SPACs that, they're all expiring within two years. They're all looking at the same targets. And, so damn brutal. <laughs> you know, there's no, I don't blame them. There's no bid for some of these companies, even though they're great companies. You can find these yeah. facts that are perfect competitors to public comps like Canada. Yeah. And yeah. they're trading at 
30 to 50% discounts to the public non-DSPEC comps. And I think over two years, it could be interesting. But in the near term, because there's no institutional bid, I use them as opportunities to short when they spoke. Totally. Funny story about Kano. I actually uh, was talking to one of the guys to, I was interviewing for the IR gig there. I'm a buy sider by, by nature, but I followed the healthcare space for a long time. So that was an interesting opportunity. But yeah, again, you know, between SPACs, small, mid caps, whatever. Um, Playboy is unique, right? Just the, the volatility has been crazy. 100% eyeball. Let's be patient. That's what Gavin would say. It's three days I, into I think the it's year. interesting. I mean, yeah. I think it's interesting here, but totally. You know, no one has a crystal ball, and you know we need to wait for the next couple of earnings for some of these names to re to uh, you know to to reset. They present at the ICR virtual conference. Uh, I think next Tuesday, next Monday, next Monday. And I would not be surprised if you heard Ben Cohn come out and say, "Give some early centerfold statistics." I've been scouring that platform. No, no, I, at every I monetization feature. Yeah, hundred percent tiers. Um, mess, you know, super chat tiers. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he came out and said, "Hey guys, we we launched this three weeks ago. We've generated about." You know, 10, $15 million at a 90% gross margin or at zero cost to us. He's off the No, it's, it's a fundamental, fundamentally yeah. great story to tell. Yeah. And just a quick background anecdote for 10 seconds. You know, of, of the 196 DSPACs, only 63 beat earnings last quarter and in the prior quarter, 54. So think about like the hit rate of beating earnings and guidance and how, you know, SPAC sponsors tend to exaggerate um, performance, right? Because they're, you know, they're governed under M&A law versus securities law. They give five-year forecasts that are overly bullish to get the deals done. So like the, you know, the hit rate is really low. So you have to focus on names like Playboy that, you know, that are beating earnings and have good stories and have reasonable valuations. And those are the only types of DSPACs I would touch. Yeah. So Jimmy, uh, Jimmy, oh, sorry, Trent, uh, I'll get what you said. Jimmy, you said that, that Catalyst or that meeting was uh, early next week, like Monday or Tuesday? Yeah, it's Monday at 2 Monday. p.m. Monday, awesome. So the ICR, you know, I think it's been on the call, right? Like a lot of smaller cap yep. companies have been are outsourced their IR, so that this is a chance to get out to investors. Awesome. No, good, great reminder. So thank you for, for, you know, for that. Yeah, Trent Wizzo, go ahead. Yeah, Jimmy or, you know, others uh, who may be uh, – much more inclined towards uh, the NFT space. Uh, question for all of you, just for discussion. Recently, there was an interesting satire on uh, South Park about uh, NFTs in which they show butters, uh, the grown-up butters, uh, one of the characters in South Park uh, who uh, tries to shill NFTs and then eventually it results into a turn of, uh, uh, I mean, it, it's a very interesting episode. Um, have you seen it? And if yes, uh, what are your thoughts around uh, that part? Uh, it is the speculative side of the market. Um, it has not cooled off at all. Uh, when I go to OpenSea, I still keep seeing a bunch of bids. I do, uh, you know, punt in them sometimes, but with a very, very small sliver of the portfolio, like 0.1% or whatever. <laughs> but yeah. uh, any thoughts on that? 
Yeah, Gavin, I'll get, hand it over to you. But then I did just want to say, Jimmy, when you were talking, it did sound like you were watching Playboy. But then, just then, it, then we heard it was the Real Housewives of Orange County. So, uh, you oh, got that's off, right. Well, you, this is you, the show. I'm you got off Andy, the hook there. It yeah, sounded like you. I sound like you were really For sure. It's a recap. Your, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And please don't cancel. Uh, he got yeah, canceled yeah. from CNN. <laughs> you see that? He still owns all of Bravo, but oh, Andy got man. canceled for the New Year's. Uh, too funny but yeah sorry I, I just had to make that one comment um for everyone jimmy was watching orange county with i suspect his wife or at least you know i don't want to say hope because you can watch whatever bloody yes. thing you want right yes. uh, but, but yeah uh anyway gavin uh, back to nfts and what we're really here to discuss and andrew um i think i hear you see you waving you can uh yeah if you've got a question uh, just give it one second no, I was just going to say, I, I got to run at uh, oh. hard stop at 10. But yeah, NFTs for me, I think uh, I, I'm i really excited from what I see. You know, Robert, we talked to that artist that one night. So I'm, I'm yep. still in the process of setting up my wallet um, the right way. I know it's, is Wasim on here. He, he's uh, He's got the profile pic with World of Women, which is a really cool NFT project. If I scroll down, he's on here. He could talk about it. He knows quite a bit. That's from Gary. Gary, um, Gaines, right? I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure, but yeah, I, I like N- NFTs a lot. I think it's going to be really interesting. I don't think it's going to cool off. I think it'll stay pretty hot this year. Um, it's been interesting that you know Ethereum's a pretty important uh, you know cryptocurrency for mm-hmm. NFTs, and that's stayed neutral you know, where Bitcoin hasn't, but uh, at least in the crypto tracker, I mean, I don't know what I can really make of that. You know, it's only been a couple of days, but uh, no, yeah. Gavin, it's a, it's a great point, right? I mean, there's basically an actual utility there. And it's, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's the source. I mean, that was my, you know, when we were speaking, speaking with that artist, um, that's probably about three, four weeks ago. Uh, now it was kind of mid December. It was yeah. a great conversation. It's really kind of a real good entry into kind of the NFT world, how, you know, you can, how you start to mint something, how you need a wallet, you know, then you go to OpenSea, right? And everything's basically, you know, it's all bid in, in ETH. Um, you know, I, I made the joke about, well, what about my US dollars? And, you know, I think, I think the artist, his name's, is it James? I follow him on Twitter. I'll, I'll, I'll do Jeff. That, but Jeff, Jeff, thank you. I knew it was a J something. Um, it's like, yeah, dollars aren't good here, right? So the, but, you know, from a utility standpoint, you know, I, I think it's got a lot of staying power, right? Um, uh, you know, the metaverse is a whole nother, you know, conversation, but just in terms of like digital assets and being able to like, again, just like being able to put up, you know, uh, you know, Jimmy's got one and um, uh, yeah, you know, we've got, I, I, think I don't have one. one. Remember, this is a controlled oh, right, copy, right. control V. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm actually team yeah, Fiat. Yeah, yeah. In the yeah, grandest twist got, of things, I, yeah. I, I think Scott's an OG hedge eye guy, and uh, I believe his. I think he's got a, an NFT. I know Wasim just asked to speak, Gavin. So, um, yeah, he, he's he's got a one of my. Favorites, I got. Honestly. I have to run, but I, I know you're, you're run, in good but, good hands yeah, with Wasim. He's pretty knowledgeable. Yeah, Wasim. It's one of my favorites. Uh, ever since that conversation with Wasim, you jumped on, and uh, it's it's on my short list. I I really hope. Um, to, I think it's just a great, you know, they're, it's a great artist. It's a great collection. Uh, again, I'm, I'm, forgive me for my terminology. I'm so, so new uh, to this world, but uh, we'll see the, the floor is yours. Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks. And thanks Gavin for that. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, yeah, I've, I mean, I've been in NFTs now for just about six, seven months. Um, 
Yeah, and you know, I'm not a, I'm not a big trader or a flipper. I, I flipped a few and made a little bit of money that way. I'm more long-term for me. And what I'm noticing, like, I'm just trying to understand the correlation between, you know, the Ethereum price and NFT prices. And it is true in some sense that as the as the Ethereum price is taking a, somewhat of a beating right now, obviously, um, you know, prices of NFTs are now going up. And so, you know, are, are people just, you know, just trying to scoop in just because they're just getting a better, I guess, yeah, they're just getting a better deal. Um, and then as soon as, you know, I see, you know, crypto prices, Bitcoin, Ether kind of pump back up, you know, it's not, a, it's, it's not, it's not so fast. Like, you know, the, the prices won't drop that quickly, but over time, over the, over a one, two, three week period, I do see prices and weaken. I do see sales um, come slower. I mean, like, like just, just in the last couple of days, like world of women has like the, the, the sales have like quadrupled and same with like, you know, other projects like creature world and V friends and, um, uh, doodles, all, all, all these, you know, like the like the top ten, like you know, market cap, I guess. And so, yeah, that's that's kind of it for me. Yeah, if anyone has any other questions or anything. Yeah, and what seems this may be completely off topic, but Andrew, I know you came on wanting to to have a question or have a. I think you had a question. Oh hi, yeah. How's it going, guys? Um, good, good. So, yeah, I guess the Santa rally taken back in one day is kind of harsh, but the, the tenure at one sevens needs to slow down a bit. I guess we need it back down to one four. But um, I, I had a question. Keith made a point on um, CLX earlier in the week or, or last week at around 170, 171. He said he was buying it because the input costs were declining. And I, I sort of disagreed with him at, at that time. But uh, in hindsight, this. The trade worked, but of course he caught a little bit of safety, you know, flight to safety with Clorox. But just their their comps and everything since the pandemic, they're they're a bit of a dog at two and a half percent. And you know there are competitors that have probably done better, e, uh, EPC and maybe NWL, you know, uh, in terms of, of financials. But um, does anybody have any insight on, you know, he he was referring to lowered input costs, and I I didn't quite. I don't know if he was referring to shipping costs or supply chains or, or you know, I, I, I didn't think these, those were lowering. I thought there was going to increase. Um, yes. Yeah, so just for everybody on the, on the call, it's Andrew HFX at Andrew HFX. Uh, great question. I actually miss that Clorox. Um, I don't miss much, Andrew. I got it. I mean, I, I kind of pride myself on that, to be honest. Uh, but I didn't. I, I didn't. Maybe was it on the call? Was that what it was? It wasn't on Macro Show? Oh I no, uh, no. I I just uh, Keith responded to me with uh, oh, okay. with just a comment about it. I, I think it. he I think he was he was uh, recommending it earlier when it was consolidating around one seventy one seventy one. Now of course one seventy nine. Uh, it's had yeah, a nice yeah. little run. I mean, you know, as I meant, I don't know if you were on earlier, but uh, you know, staples, you know, consumer staples, definitely one of the stronger uh, signals or sectors out there at the moment in the last month. So it's definitely getting you know it's good factor you know good kind of you know, I guess current quad exposure, right? In terms of where the assets are flowing to. Oh, right. Um, of course. Yeah. But yeah, but I mean, Clorox in general, uh, I, I don't, uh, I know nothing about the company other than I'm, I'm looking at the signal and I'm telling you it's, uh, it's, it's at the top end of its range, but it, 
looks pretty dang good. So uh, that's about all all the value add I can give you. Anybody else got anything? <laughs> yeah, well, the the one part I just wanted to see if if any could anybody could flush out what he meant by lower lowered input costs, where he was getting that from. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't. Okay. Know. Sorry, Andrew. No but problem. I can uh, I can I can shoot it out to the universe and see if we can you know, figure it out. But yeah, I, I don't know. Is it just know. a, I, I missed the beginning part of the question, but is it just a, a, a function of the, the quad shift from a, from a two, three inflationary regime to, to a one, two, where, where you're seeing a, a slowing rate of change of, of inflation I mean, and that being possible. lower input very, costs for, for a lot of companies. It's very possible. Freebird, do you know if um, uh, Belosi covers this? Sorry, what what's the ticker? Uh, Clorox CLX. I don't believe so. I haven't heard him talk about it. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so either. Right? Yeah. Yeah, same here. But uh, it's on the front, right? It's it's doing gangbusters. For instance, if you look at PBJ, which is peanut butter jelly. Um, so PBJ, <laughs> it is going gangbusters. Just look at the signal on that. It's it's crazy. It's and it's, there's a bunch of other ETFs uh, in the same space which are of similar nature. Uh, they they are just giving amazing results. I don't have. Uh, we uh, trend. We um we lost you there, buddy. But PBJ, that was that was great. Uh, so Jay, sorry, man, we we lost you. But yep, um, Mike, while well, he comes back, uh, what was your comment there, bud? I was trying trying to look up the uh, slides from the macro theme show, but he he may have said something about. He definitely mentioned yeah. lower uh, glycol. Okay, Robert. Yeah, I yeah. suspect. Yeah, hey, Andrew. Yeah, I suspect, Mike, I think you're right, right, Andrew. So I say, or sorry, Joe's likely correct. I just didn't really put two and two together. Um, but yeah, I think it's just probably like, you know, lower inflate, you know, basically lower cost hey. of goods, inflation, what have you, uh, that kind of thing. So yeah, Andrew, yeah, go I kind of caught the end of that about Clorox there. Um, I didn't fully. I just finally got the kids down. I'm just, just the able in, to actually the input cost. Yeah, yeah well, it's mainly around. I the do remember cost. Keith said something in a tweet this week about because um, I bought some of it and and I got out of it pretty quick. But he was buying Clorox. I can't remember what day it was, but I remember he was talking about he was adding it to his PA. That's the only thing I can remember on on the Clorox discussion. Got it. I definitely missed that. <laughs> I wish I'd got. I wish I'd gotten some. That, that's a nice little like. Well, that's about three percent, four percent in a couple of days, uh, in a down market, relatively down market. It would help. Um, but yeah, no. So I don't really have much other than that. And Trend Wizzle, are you back? Sorry, man, we kind of just lost you. Or Jay, sorry, Jay. You're on mute though, Jay. If you're talking. Sorry, which Jay? Oh, sorry, not Jay. I apologize, Jay. It's not Jay. Uh, Trend Wizzo. I think he's a no. He's not Jay. He's uh, he's something else. Uh, Trend. Are you there? Sorry, special sense. <laughs> That's all right. Well, uh, that was some real high quality dead air there, guys. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we can give you. Yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate appreciate it. It's like I'm a radio DJ and uh, didn't even realize realize it. Uh, so, so yeah, uh, but yeah. So I mean, any other kind of comments, questions? Um, X2, do you have anything that's on your yeah. mind right now? I got a generic question. I'm I'm doing yeah. like a technology review internally. So if anyone wants to just 
you know, talk about the systems they use, the, the, the sites that they're, you know, looking at for, for whatever data they're looking at. Yeah. So X2, um, I don't know if we've ever really talked about this, but uh, that's kind of what I do for a day job. Uh, so, you know, you and I can, you can, you, you, you and I DM all the time. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll ping you, but uh, in terms of, uh, I guess maybe be a little bit more specific, are you talking about just more generally uh, for asset allocation or uh, like in terms of like helping, like what, what aspects of the yeah, research data, you know, like, you know, if you're, you know, a lot of guys use trading view. You were talking about one that you gave me. I don't have it in front of me right this second. Yeah, tra trade ticks. Yep. Trade ticks. Right. Those yep. types of systems. Like, you know, I, you know, if you have one, you probably have looked at 20 others. So I'm, I'm just curious yeah, sure. what, you know, which one you like. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, anyway, I mean, Rob, kinda, we can talk offline, you know. Yeah, but, yeah. No, no. But, um, yeah, any, anybody kind of runs things more institutionally or, uh, I know George was on here. Unfortunately, I think he just uh, ducked off. But um, you know, or Turtle Cap. I think Turtle uses. I don't think he's on here anymore. But um, I believe he has alluded to what's that group called? Um, uh, X two. I'll I'll think of it. But if, yeah, if anybody's got any commentary, uh, that uh, so um, it's X two D A four at X two D is in David A is in Apple four. Um, so if you got any comments around kind of software or tech that you guys really like to leverage, uh, shoot him uh, a note or kind of tag him in, the, in a tweet. I think he'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, Jeremy, you just kind of joined as speaker. Hey, yeah, I just had a, you know, maybe a slight topic of discussion. Um, I'd like to pick your guys' brains about. Yeah, bums. Um, so I'm looking at um, some of the recent materializations in uh, what's going on in China with the PBOC. And um, a couple weeks back, they actually took kind of a dovish stance on their monetary policy and, you know, kind of said they were going to support their um, economy due to some of the recent proxies that came out that was showing that, you know, when they did move into more of a tightening phase last year, um, their economy slowed quite drastically. But this week, there's there, uh, there's kind of like a 180 degree reversal here. Um, I got some reports that they were starting to drain liquidity from their financial systems, uh, which I thought was a little odd because you know they did a couple weeks ago say that they were going to you know support um, with some monetary stimulus. Uh, I know you guys mentioned earlier that you know China does have potential as a investment, especially in this time where. You know, U.S. equities are definitely under some, you know, extended pressures, but regulatory scrutinies have tampered some of the foreign investment presence in this asset class. So I was just kind of, uh, you know, want to get your guys' take on this recent reversal I'm seeing. Yeah, really good question. Um, Jay, I saw you. I don't know if you've been diving into this, Jimmy. I mean, sure. I, could talk, I mean, it's been I a little bit of time on it. Yeah, Jimmy, I love, I, I love Jana. <laughs> I, mean, I think it, you know everyone probably has a view on China, and you know the information all, always isn't clear, as we know from from what the data is. But you know the, the latest I saw, um, it seemed like China was injecting liquidity. I think they injected liquidity twice, and they wanted to do a holistic policy. So I think 
you know, the goal for them is not to do, you know, a big monetary fiscal easing like they did in 2016 after that recession, because then they overinflated commodities and real estate. I think they want to do something a little bit more balanced and, you know, inject a little bit liquidity along with reforms and, you know, encouraging employment. Now, I don't know what the removal or why the removal took place to be honest, but I would just keep monitoring, keep monitoring, you know, the market for, for any updates. But I, I think they're still in like a dovish, uh, dovish uh, path. I don't think they have a choice with, with zero COVID policy. I think their economy is going to slow below 5% without monetary stimulus, whatever the, you know, what, you know, and that's their 5%. Who knows what the real number is. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, and of course, I think their GDP forecasts were a little inflated, you know, because of some of the real estate um, vacancies that they're going through right now. But it's definitely like something that's been at the top of my watch list lately, because they definitely did like a 180 in their stance on the monetary policy this week. So I I mean, I'm trying to look at, um, you know, China as a potential asset class for this year because they have been a huge underperformer. And like just from a sole valuation perspective, some of their companies do look quite attractive. But just saying, you know, the uncertainty with the risks imposed, it's just, you know, it's a little tough of a situation. Yeah, Jeremy, I mean, so uh, first of all, uh, again, I'm sure you follow them already, but at Hedge Eye China uh, is a must follow in terms of like Chinese uh, being plugged into to, to that side of, of things, right? So, um, you know, I, I, anyway, but that that's that's the first thing I'll say. And secondly, um, you know, I'm I'm with you there, and I think if you review, I think uh, again, uh, Keith mentioned it on Macro Show this morning, and you can see it in the kind of quad deck as well, right? I mean, they're definitely in the favorable space, but at the same time, I mean, he specifically said, you know, it's it he needs more a little bit more room. To, to kind of have things a, little, a few more data points, right, Jeremy? So I think you're you're bang on there. And then to Jay's point about kind of the GDP growth and what that's actually going to look like, um, especially if COVID does hit again and, and they are at kind of like complete lockdown, right? How is that going to impact it? Is it going to kind of go back to over quad quad three environment or or, or what? Or like where do we stand, right? So I think that is definitely a big question mark. But I think if you can. Um, I guess weather out the chop a little bit and also size it appropriately. I think that's the biggest thing, right? Jeremy is if, if you, to me right now, I mean, this chop uh, that, that like KBA is in, in particular and where, you know, it's at basically below one year, kind of one year lows, if you kind of look, go back on a, on a look back. Um, I was definitely buying some more today. And, but again, I'm not going to take it to like a 6% position because that would just be uh, un. Uh, yeah, just just that it was just not not very you know not not be it would not be very um, logical, right? So I mean, kind of capping that at sort of maybe half of whatever your max is, right? So for me, max ETF like that would be six percent. So kind of capping it closer to maybe you know certainly probably right now it's probably actually closer to four to be honest. It got a little bit bigger today on the sell off going to the close, um, but I'll quickly kind of pull that back down to kind of closer probably you know shave about a hundred bips pretty quickly, right? So kind of three percent, right? So um, you know again you know we all kind of have rules that we typically stick to, but then when an opportunity presents itself, you know you, you certainly kind of bend them as well. So that that those would be my two two cents. I know Jimmy, you had maybe some comments or. Additional yeah, no, nothing additional as far as equities. You know, I guess you guys have seen KBA, KWeb, 
you've heard Felix talk about some of the different things that have happened. Um, you know, I was born in Shanghai. I'm, I'm Chinese. I've got a lot of family there still. And I can tell you, at least in a lot of the tier one and tier two cities, what's happening with Evergrande right now and, and kind of the, the collapse and liquidity in the, in the resale market, that does have a, you know, impact on people's feeling of wealth. For a lot of, you know, rising middle-class Chinese people, they don't have the salaries to match by Western standards, but they've seen their real estate price, especially living in a Shanghai, living in a, any larger city, you're talking over $1,000 a square foot. You're talking like New York prices. So like, and that happens when you get the liquidity of that. So everyone has seen prices do nothing but really go up. And this is over the last couple of years, there've been a few hiccups, but definitely with the tech crash in China last year, and now you get the real estate, which was everyone's golden goose. Um, it, it's certainly something to keep an eye out. You know, everyone's not feeling as rich as they did before. Um, and, you know, people in, in China know that the stock market's kind of like a retail game. There isn't that same institutional faith in the stock market, but real estate is untouchable. So the, the government's doing a very, they have to walk the fine line, right? They have to see companies fail. You can argue that this tech sell-off from C and Tencent divesting in, in you know, it's share in C, which is a hedge fund darling. You talk about a hell of a block trade down six or seven percent the day before. You know, there, there's a lot of people in the same names, so I, I don't know that it's over. Um, but uh, yeah, China's on my radar too. I definitely give it some time. If, if it runs and we get a quad one in the U.S. and people are feeling good about XUS, I mean. You can get a big rebound, but we're just, I'm just speculating. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the insight. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I think, I mean, that's probably a pretty good spot to end it on, to be honest. Uh, we'll just cap it off with China and hopefully one, one of these days, Freebird, you got to, you got to poke Felix, uh, get him on here. And, <laughs> but, uh, if there's another question, obviously I, I still got some time, but, um, you know, otherwise we, we, we'll kind of wrap it up. Thanks so much for hosting us, Robert. Yeah. Really appreciate yeah. it. Absolutely. This is a good one. We'll, um, everyone follow Robert. He's almost at a thousand, dude. <laughs> almost. I know. I've been keep keeping fo- track. I, I, Firmly yeah. underfollowed. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you, Andrew. And we, uh, yeah, I, I, I've got, I've got notes into uh, Twitter Spaces Freebird, right? So I DM them today. I'm trying to get this record feature because the only workaround is basically requesting for all my data and just just takes time. Basically, the um, it's just kind of like a lag here, guys. So bear with me as I get that up. We'll we'll get it again, but it might just we'll see if Kayvon can help you out with that. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. So, uh, but yeah, no, it's exciting stuff. Uh, again, appreciate everybody's insight, everybody's commentary. You know, it's. Uh, you know, these spaces would be, you know, these weekly reviews would not be the same without everybody's um, contribution. So I greatly appreciate all of you and thank you for listening. Um, and, you know, not to keep harping on your free bird, but congratulations again. It's a, it's a wonderful time of, of life to have a new little baby come, come into the household. So uh, congratulations, man. Wishing you and the family and, and the wife all the best. All right. Well, with that, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up, guys. Appreciate it, and uh, we'll see you next week. It'll be four thirty p.m. on Wednesday. What is that? The tenth.
12th, I'm way off 10th. Yeah. So 4.30 PM Eastern, um, Wednesday, uh, January 12th will be the next uh, call here. All the best y'all. Cheers. Catch you guys later. Good night. All right.